Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. With your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst true crime TV and documentaries. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as guest co-host this week, I got a couple of them. Case in point, Samantha Jane is here. Hi. (laughs) Also here, Jack Kelly's here. Hi. I'm just going to copy whatever Sam does. (laughs) (laughs) How excited are we to be talking about the death of Lacey Peterson? So excited. (laughs) Yay, Deb. (laughs) Someone, Uh, a listener requested that I cover this. I don't remember who, but I've talked about this quite a bit. I have strong feelings about the Lacey Peterson case. I you know, had not heard about it in a long time, so this was interesting for me. Yeah, yeah I, I, Lacey, like, it's so interesting, cause, and I was talking to a friend about it. You know, I was saying, like, oh, I'm recording a podcast talking about death of Lacey Peterson, and I was saying that, like, I was so surprised in watching this and realizing that it didn't take place near my hometown because like I was 12 when this happened. And so like, I had no concept of the world really, but I, but it was just everywhere to the point where I was like, this was clearly happening in the Chicago suburbs. And then I only found out in this documentary that it happened in California, but it was just like, it was just everywhere at the time. And for like two years. Yeah. And I mean, they did, uh, like add that context stuff was really interesting of like what else was happening in the media that they might want to push out how like 24 hour news coverage had just started. And it was weird also hearing the people in it reference OJ as if this was like an OJ redemption trial, which I wouldn't have thought of at the time, you know, but now in like historical context, everyone was like, it's not going to be like OJ. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. I, I want to be honest right off the bat. I think the government killed Lacey Peterson. To, I think the government's killing us all. So, like. yeah, but to you know, just to distract from our various invasions of the Middle East. Yeah, there the were a couple was points not... throughout the notes where I was watching this documentary, and I was like, "I'm joking," but am I joking? My God, what great! How many of these for... podcasts have you done? <laughs> well, he does all. Adam, are you sure this is not supposed to be for the conspiracy podcast? <laughs> oh, it could probably cross over. Maybe I'll do both. Maybe. So yeah, this cross. What were you gonna say? I was going to say cross cross uh, cross uh, promotion for both podcasts. Yeah. yeah. Cross pods when true crime becomes true conspiracy. <laughs> so, yeah, this was one of those really big media by trial events that you don't see as much anymore. And I'm happy about that. Although I did just say before we got on here how it, it there were echoes of, of the uh, Johnny Depp Ember heard to me, yeah. which is it's just a more recent example of. Like, who's the best actor in the courtroom? Kind of, yeah. You know? We don't know factually who won that case. Basically, all we know is they're both assholes. But we did decide publicly that Johnny Depp's a better actor. Oh, see, this had echoes of Adnan Syed for me and Heyman Lee. So, like, it was, like, and all the serial stuff. Like, that, I'll... There are moments I'll talk about later why why I say that, but I definitely agree with you, Sam, that it's like, yeah, the trial by media is so real. Yeah. How much of it came down to like, we don't like how Scott's acting. Like, he's not giving us the performance we want. He doesn't look um, sad enough. He's not being performative enough with it. 
And he had a secret girlfriend. So he must be I mean, a murderer. Yes, he was guilty of being a jerk. Yeah, he was a <laughs> but... terrible husband. Like, just yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was well, interesting, too. Actually, not the worst, because he didn't kill his wife, at least. Yeah. Husbands do that sometimes. That's a they thing do. that comes up right at the beginning of the documentary. They ask one of these talking heads, well, what if he didn't do it? And she goes, what, what if he didn't do it? Is that a real question? And it's pretty indicative of, I think, people's feelings about Scott Peterson, it seems like. Oh, yeah. I mean, it as soon as um, Nancy Grace showed up, which she shows up pretty immediately in this series, I was like, oh, I know why this went so off the rails <laughs> into, into trial by media. I was like, oh, Nancy Grace was on the case. Yeah. All right. I, I understand yeah. now. And I think that was like, there was backlash from OJ. People were so shocked and appalled that this guy got off that I felt like a lot of people immediately were like, we're not going to let that happen again. Despite what the evidence said, <laughs> they just wanted to get the guy that killed his wife, you know, of course yeah, not. It, bad timing. Yeah, it did seem that way. And the amount of people that brought it up, like jurors that brought it up too later. Yeah. I don't even know where to start. I think everyone knows the details of the Lacey Peterson disappearance. Or maybe I mean, I they don't. Because even I mean, we could pull it for it. I didn't, to be honest. Even watching this, I, I've even seen this a time or two before. And I think this is the first time the prosecution's theory of what happened actually registered with me and how weird it is. But yeah. basically their thinking is he murdered her at first. The thinking was he murdered her the night of December 23rd. And then the morning of December 24th, he drove her to the marina and took his very small fishing boat out to the middle of San Francisco Bay and dumped her body with eight, uh, four eight pound anchors attached. Yes. Mm-hmm. Homemade anchors. Well, the biggest like heart jerkers, it's eight month pregnant wife murdered on right. Christmas Eve. Like, oh. Yeah. And don't get me yeah. wrong. That is a bummer. I mean, those are some, you know, heartbreaking Hallmark movie type details to add to this murder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's a thing. I mean, I'm going to say a cab a lot and probably make some jokes. But ultimately, the biggest tragedy here is that Lacey Peterson was murdered while she yeah. was eight months pregnant. That yes. sucks, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know the details of it. So it's like that he so they thought that he may have murdered her the night before and then um, drove her out to the marina. But like, you know, he says that she got up or they they watched Martha Stewart and then she went out and walked the dog. And then he while she was out walking the dog, he went and drove to his warehouse where his boat was to go fishing for the day. And so it's like people are saying that, you know, they're. They saw her and walking the dog, but then, of course, none of that is none of that's used in trial. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was back a... at four thirty, and then she's she's been missing. The dog is there, but she's missing. Yeah, and the details of like what the police followed up on and what they didn't were wild to hear because that's it. Also, kind of showed like what the police were specifically like feeding to the press like they were very much using the press in their favor and in a way to like obliterate any chance of having an unbiased jury you know because all of this was coming out before a jury was selected 
and like thinking about that now is kind of wild. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's the same thing with like the OJ trial. It's like, it was going to be near impossible to find at the, at a certain point, there was just so much in the, in the media that it was near impossible to find a, you couldn't find a jury that, that knew nothing about the case. You had to find jurors who, who claimed that they could be unbiased in the trial. And as they brought up to the fact that this was a capital punishment trial changes entirely the kind of jury you're going to find because everyone needed to be okay with putting someone to death. Yeah. They talked to some of the detectives from this case in this documentary. They unfortunately don't talk to Al Brocchini, who seems like the biggest fuck face of them all. He immediately shows up and starts going through the house and they do interview another detective, John Bueller. And Together, the two of them are just really going on a bunch of demeanor conviction type shit, like Samantha already kind of mentioned. Well, he's not behaving the way I would behave, so he must be guilty. And it's like, you don't know how you would behave in that situation. Like, And if if you're at home and you're getting really mad that we're suggesting maybe Scott Peterson's not guilty, like demeanor conviction shit, keep in mind, is also kind of the basis of the Sandy Hook conspiracy theory. Like all of the evidence in that is, well, why is this guy who just went through the most traumatizing experience possible acting so weird? And it's like, I don't know, maybe because he just went through the most traumatizing experience possible. Yeah, like as a performer and as someone who's also gone through like intense like grief, it's wild how inaccurate what we think it looks like is, you know, like, yeah. It's so exhausting and personal. Like, there's a lot more shock. There's a lot more being numb and weirdly robotic, and to, which surprises yourself. And then you feel guilty for not crying enough, but you also, like, have to live your life. And then you go through periods where you're like, I physically can't cry anymore. It's impossible. And you don't want to do it in front of people. Like, you can't, I think I said before, like, you can't just squeeze out those two nice tears for the camera and then make it stop. Like, once you, like, open that door you're going to be a mess of a human being who can no longer speak or talk or function. So you kind of put up a little wall just to get through the day until you can come home and unravel completely. And I mean, it was complicated for Scott because the the one damning thing, like the thing he basically, I think got convicted of was being a jerk. (laughs) He was cheating on his wife. Like that was a hundred percent true. And that's what I think made him feel so guilty in the public eye. And he was guilty of that, but that's not murdering your wife. Yeah, they never made a connection between those two things. Like, they were just like, well, that must be it. And it's like, you can't sentence someone to death based on, well, that must be it. What the fuck? And and talking about demeanor, too, it's like I worked at a mortuary for a year. And, like, I went to a lot of funerals. And I watched a lot of people grieving. But I also had to talk to a lot of families who – while they are grieving their loved one, they have to be responsible for answering questions from the mortuary and from the funeral director and from the cemetery staff. And they have to be responsible for stuff. And like to say that these people are not grieving while they are interacting with strangers who are asking them direct questions and like are, and it's like, I saw plenty of people that like they had it all together. And then the minute like that service actually started, they were a mess because they could finally like let go and they finally weren't yeah. like on they weren't had to they didn't have to be on they didn't have to activate certain areas of their brain while they're dealing with this immense grief and also like 
I'm not seeing them at home. They could be going through a lot at home and in private where they know that they can have those feelings and show those feelings. And I just think that it is just so deeply unfair to criticize people for their outward demeanor for uh, grief because grief is just such a wild emotion it's such a wild thing to go through yeah when i was i was in seventh grade i lost my grandparents on my dad's side three months apart and my grandfather who was like kind of a like a racist cop basically who i wasn't like super close to even at that age like i sobbed at his funeral and then my grandmother died three months later and she was like my best friend and I didn't cry at all. That doesn't mean I killed my grandma. It means <laughs> I was in shock. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, <laughs> did it happen twice and you're not crying more this time? No. It well, doesn't also, always like, work like that. The time, like the, the moments that you have are so unpredictable. Yeah. Like, and I don't think they're going to happen. People don't think about this either, like, if you're not a performer, someone who's been in that kind of situation, you see the person on on your screen and you don't realize what they're looking at, which is a sea of people holding cameras and phones and asking them questions. And it's like terrifying. And you would be like, excuse me. It's not the kind of situation where you're like, yes. Oh, my God. It's not like a person coming at you with a hug being like, how are you doing? Like, it's a terrifying thing to have a bunch of cameras pointed at you. Um, well, and constantly and constantly like they were in his yard. Like, it's like he was just getting constantly bombarded and it's like yeah i i would have my brain would shut down this as well like i mean it's like i've gone through some traumatic shit i've gone through therapy about it i can finally talk about it without having like a nervous breakdown like you know but when it's happening you have to shut down parts of it or else you can't function so it's like when it's constantly happening, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I just, I, I'm so against this, just like claiming that somebody's guilty just by their demeanor. Cause it's like, you're also grafting your own personal opinions of how someone should be grieving onto somebody else who's not you. So just because I you mean, wouldn't be like that doesn't mean that somebody else wouldn't be like that. Which also you don't know how you're going to be until it happens. No. Yeah. <laughs> but- no. I do think it it just sucked for Scott. Like, first of all, this was one of the first big media trials. So there was no playbook. The lawyers wouldn't even know necessarily how to handle media because it, it hadn't really happened before in this level. Like, OJ was a celebrity first, at least. There was no internet when OJ. I mean, the internet wasn't what it yeah. is. But this was like one of the first, like, cameras in the courtroom stuff like and 24-hour news cycle stuff and the cops feeding things to reporters to try and create a narrative in the public before you're in the courtroom which wasn't necessarily something you had to worry about before and public perception and to his detriment like i don't know scott's not that likable like he's just which is not a reason to put a man to death but he's like pretty good looking kind of annoying looking white dude that you're like i probably know and hate a guy like that like yeah yeah (laughs) and And he had the cheating thing. And the thing about him not having the demeanor people wanted, what you also have to take into account is the police are going to use the media in whatever way they want, especially if they've locked in on one person that they are convinced Mm -hmm. is guilty. So if he was like, like just hardcore sobbing in all these interviews and like really going overboard with the grief, they'd be like, he's acting, he's acting. 
like that. Like, yes, we would all be sad, but I just got like an air of like Hollywood actor from him. Like that's the kind of shit you would hear in that case. And then the fact that he didn't take a polygraph, like that is copaganda 101. Like that is one of the most harmful things true crime documentaries push. And not really this one, but this idea that if you're not guilty, why wouldn't you take a polygraph? And it's like, I don't know, because that's bullshit pseudoscience that's not going to hold up in court anyway. And also, how about you go investigate the fucking case? Yeah. I mean, the whole, like, if you're not guilty, you have nothing to hide is what cops use to manipulate you. Yes. Hmm. All the time. And, and and all polygraph is, is, is just checking, like, heart rate levels and, and certain, like physical reactions yeah. but if this man has been under constant duress by the by the media and like and is like grieving like yeah his polygraph is also not gonna be yeah like is he right. showing signs of stress because he's lying or is he showing signs of stress because you're asking about his newly dead wife like yeah. there's it's the machines are gonna be able to tell the difference on that and, and i yeah. think the only people that actually thrive in polygraphs are sociopaths that know how to work them <laughs> like i really think that's yeah. the only time it works is when you're trying to use it as a manipulation to be like look i'm telling the truth <sighs> i have no feelings <laughs> like there's also that burglary it comes up in the first episode and then way again at the end in the sixth episode and it's such an important detail yeah. to this story that like we never really heard about and or well, I what's, what's crazy about it is this neighbor calls and reports that she saw a home being burglarized on the 24th same time Lacey Peterson would have been out walking her dog and somehow like by the end the police arrest the two people who did this burglary and they're just like no, well, they told us they did it on the 26th. Well, and, and did the you? 24th. And like several reporters then, are like, we were all outside on the 26th. It didn't happen yeah. on the 26th. Yeah. And they, there was a tip that they, I think they went through in appeals. I don't know if we're hopping around if I can. I mean, yeah, but, I mean, um, we're not going to get through every beat of the documentary. Yeah, it's a lot. But uh, six episodes. So when they're finally going through the appeals thing, there was a tip line called from somebody that works at a prison saying he heard a phone call with one of the guys saying that Lacey came up to the house during the robbery. One of those guys was already in jail and they just didn't follow up with that. Well, yeah, and weirdly cool. that and weirdly that tape went missing. Oh, how weirdly. strange. Oh, uh, the whole as, crazy how that happened. As soon as they said there was a burglary across the street that was happening at the same time, I immediately went. Well, yeah, like there it is. Like that's yeah. what happened. Like instantly I was like, are you going to like are you going to tell me that a man murdered his wife at the same time as a burglary happening across the street and that's just a, a funny little coinky dink? Like are you well, like, joking? The weird details like the woman who saw the dog out and put it away, which all implies like if Lacey was already dead, who would have done that? Why would Scott let the dog out on his leash? before taking the body it implies like she's yeah. walking the dog the dog has its leash on where did she go right yeah and they nobody questions that kind of yeah they didn't follow up on everyone who saw her walking the dog which would have made her alive after scott left they never yeah. talked to like why did scott go on the internet and just send like normal emails if he had his wife's body in his truck like yeah they we mentioned nancy grace already she delivers a line early on in this in my mind, there's no such thing as coincidence in criminal law. 
Shut up, Nancy. Probably why you're not a fucking prosecutor anymore. And you always hear there's no such thing. I've said this a million times. The true crime crowd and the conspiracy crowd need to have a meeting of the minds when it comes to coincidence. Because true crime types will love to tell you what Nancy Grace just said. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Whereas if a conspiracy theorist starts pushing any sort of connection, people will be like, well, that's just a coincidence. And I have a great example of how coincidences are fucking real in both crime and conspiracy both. We did an episode of Conspiracy the Show about the Clinton body count. And one of the allegations against Bill Clinton is that he had this woman's husband killed because she was going to testify about him touching her inappropriately in his office. And the thinking was, well, I guess you kill him and it's going to silence her. Like that part doesn't make any sense to begin with. But if you want to talk about a coincidence, here's how you know Bill Clinton didn't do that. Because he was groping that woman at the same time her husband committed suicide in the woods. Like the exact same moment. Talk about a fucking coincidence. Yeah, talk about coming and going. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, it's a coincidence. Coincidences do happen. See, and this is why I would be locked up because I can't. (laughs) She's making too many jokes. She's clearly guilty. But the joke's right there. I can't. I'm sorry. And like yeah. the, uh, the whole, uh, I, I know I said this earlier, but the whole Nancy Grace of it all really kind of pissed me off. Like, I mean, at the end of the docuseries, she's saying like, I went on all of these shows for free and be like, was it for free, Nancy? Or were you gunning for a show on one of these networks? Like yeah. Yeah. the way that you were talking about this. She's and then, like, surprise, the surprise, you got her own show. Prototype. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, this doesn't happen anymore, guys, at all. That, yeah. you know, media will just latch on to what's the most inflammatory story that makes me feel the most and um, my anger is fuel and now it's right and everything else is fake because I don't agree with it. Like, sure, that's not how media works anymore. It's all very facts. But it was it was it felt like the inception of like removing facts from stories and then just whatever feels true is true. Yeah. How did we feel about her explaining why she does what she does? She like had Nancy? A, yeah. She had like a boyfriend who got murdered or something. Yeah. Well, it's, it's purely like, like you're on a vengeance path and yeah. that's purely emotional and it removes everyone else's individuality and humanity and makes them what you're projecting from your own experience. Yeah. Which is also probably like that juror that said she wasn't doing that, but had not disclosed that she had a very similar Oof. experience with the man cheating. And you're like, oh, that's not going to affect how you feel about this dude. These jurors. I don't know if I've never seen a group of people whose dreams I want to see go down in flames more. Uh, I mean, the sad thing is, you know, any jury is full of the dumbest people that couldn't figure out how to get out of jury duty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we find out here some people lie to get on. Ugh, what? It's so weak. Like, everyone I know who's smart, who I would want in charge of me, like, they're smart enough to get out of jury duty. (laughs) They all do it. Yeah. So it's unfortunate. We should probably want to all do our civic duty more. But yeah, then there's the people who like really want to do it because it makes them feel important or whatever. It's going to be, it's never a noble reason. It's the same reason I think there's fault with people who want to be police um, or prosecutors because they have this idea of being the good guy taking to the bad guy, which takes out all the nuance and muddiness and like 
work of these jobs and difficult aspects of them and the like responsibility of having power out of it and makes it like a personal ego trip which means you probably shouldn't be doing that job yeah Um, i mean nancy nancy like she her conviction towards things and like her background definitely makes her a great prosecutor but like not a fair and balanced person to have weighing in on a trial and convincing people but because like we said before it's the start of the 24-hour news cycle like now they need people like that to keep people watching at two o'clock in the morning yeah so they have people like nancy grace on to draw people in and so it's like i i just it's a like, transition of reporters as journalists to reporters as celebrity personalities yeah 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 i it's and like the yeah the uh, just have so many thoughts about all of it and like i just i'm so frustrated by like the jurors reactions like outside of like after the case when they're like after the trial when they're interviewing them and like one of the jurors the one that like should not have been on the jury um specifically because she was part of a trial where (laughs) where you know, somebody was convicted for murdering a spouse and like, and she just calls Scott an asshole to the media, which is wild. Clearly personal and not about, you know, oh, I'm just convinced. I just convicted a man to death. (laughs) Like I should be. And it's like, yeah, when he's like, we're going to make them all celebrities right after they come out of a trial, which is wild. And um, you can tell they thought they were going to be celebrities, at least a few of them. The ones yes, they're like, well, I might sure. write a book with somebody if they want to do it. They did. Someone wrote a book about it. Yeah. Like clearly profiting from this experience. What did we think of Amber Fry, Scott's mistress? There's a lot of talk about her also being a victim in this. And yeah, I, I agree think, with that. Yeah, she definitely. I think that she is. But I also think that her immense presence made it more a trial for Amber, which, sure, we all voted for Amber being a victim, but that's not what this trial was. And I don't want to take away her, you know, um, she was fucked over by Scott, for sure. Of course. But it was so ultimately irrelevant to this trial. And see, I would say she was also kind of a victim of the police, Because the only benefit in her going public the way she did was that it helped the cops and it helped justify their singular pursuit of one lead in this case above any other leads. Once she came out, they just like stopped looking for any other. And that's the thing that was so awful is like and and to his credit, Scott said in some way, that's why he was dragging his feet on on bringing her up or talking about her because he knew the minute they knew that he was cheating they weren't going to look for Lacey anymore and they were going to feel a hundred percent that he had done it and he's probably right like his wife was probably still alive and they murdered this woman by making it so clear that they weren't looking for her and that they posted his alibi on in the media so that if anyone else had her body, they'd know exactly where to leave it to frame him, which is kind of wild and like that they would do that, that there wasn't some kind of thought about that. Like you're going to tell someone where to dump the body. So we assume that it's got, which is exactly what happened. 
Yeah, there's so much of this that like is so clear that it shifts from the murder of Lacey Peterson to the trial of Scott Peterson. And it really stops being about Lacey. And it's more about, okay, how much can we pile on Scott to make him look the guiltiest possible? And it's why there's such a problem with allowing the prosecution, which when it's the state, like allowing them to also be the ultimate evidence collectors. It's just like, so you're telling me that they could just control the whole process. And it's like, I just, it, it's just it's the so opposite deeply. of innocent until proven guilty, like systemically. Yeah. And it's like the, his, his lawyers were going to have an uphill battle no matter what, because it's like, there's, especially against the media and on the police side, and they just have the media at their disposal to put as much stuff out there as they want, you know, and then they throw in Amber Fry and all of this. And it's like, this woman did no crime. Like, she's not the one that was cheating on her spouse. Like, you know, it's like, but you're going to throw her to the wolves as well. And she's got to defend her actions, which like, I mean, have whatever thoughts you want about people well that's why contextually like it's not that far from clinton it's not like there's a lot of things that felt probably timely about this well that and when you listen to the tapes because she recorded so many of these calls on the one hand the way he was acting while his wife was missing is kind of fucked up like especially the part where he calls her from the vigil and is like hey i'm in Paris or whatever the fuck it's like That was a little odd. But also, again, we're talking about a person under an intense amount of stress. But on top... I mean, I'll tell you, a lot of men are are weirdly sexual at weird-ass times. Yeah. But also, (laughs) when you listen to the parts of the tapes where she's trying to get him to confess, or the parts where she's trying to get him to slip up and admit that he was involved in his wife's disappearance, he doesn't do it once. There's nothing in those tapes that suggests he killed his wife. And you that works for the police a lot. They'll send the girlfriend in to record calls, and eventually the guy will be like, babe, fine, I'll tell you about it. Just leave me alone. And like, Scott. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, if you think that Scott is guilty, you think that he is like a sociopathic mastermind who's been pulling all of this off and can be consistent with his story and not slip up but like i think truly he's just kind of dumb you know he's got like a football player thing and he's a hot guy cheating on his wife but he doesn't strike me as a mastermind you know no no dumb people cheat on their spouses all the time so like (laughs) and and succeed and do it well for numbers of years like it's yeah i just i mean yeah that's one of the lawyers said too like you can't convict a guy for cheating on his wife like also where was she because she wasn't in california right he was traveling to see her because i feel like he just thought he was going to be able to keep all this a secret from her and then it became like a fucking media sensation and i feel like that's probably why he was lying on those calls possible i also just like i think I don't think he thought about it that much. I think he's like, oh, if they know about this, they'll stop looking for Lacey. Most important thing is to look for Lacey. But I'm sure he's exhausted, tired, not thinking it through. I just don't feel good. And talking to this girl makes me feel better. And I'd like to feel like somebody loves me right now. And I'm in a house alone that my wife used to be in. Like, they're, I don't think he's making rational, well thought out moves. Yeah. You know? I tell you who else I didn't like in this. Gloria Gomez. The yeah, local- she- 
Modesto reporter. Yeah, she was like a Nancy Grace light. She very much gave like, um, I, I would say almost like current, like true crime vibes, like yeah. true crime reporter vibes of like, well, I'm not going to go hard after him. But as you can see, the evidence is very clear that it it's like, uh, really, it's like it's it's more like um, I'm not saying it's Scott, but I'm saying there's really no one else it could be. So it has to be Scott. I You're felt like, like okay, she not- was on the one hand using it for for personal, um, you know, to to advance her own career. I'm very excited about that. And she was talking about she's the one who had the connection at the police uh, station. Mm. She had somebody feeding her tips, which as a reporter, you love getting that inside info. You want to respect that source. And she just allowed herself to be a mouthpiece for the cops to set whatever narrative they wanted because they would feed like things that were wrong and they would be corrected. That's the but thing. That's as we know, like corrections never get the same amount of press as the first information that was inflammatory. And well, that's kind of the problem with like major news outlets now, especially like New York Times, Washington Post, like so much of what they do involves going directly to the government and being like, hey, this thing people are saying about you, is it true? And the government's like, nah, man, of course not. And they thrive on that access to the government. And it reduces the chances that they're going to question the government. And it's the same thing with Gloria Gomez and the police. Like her entire career is built on them feeding her information, whether it's true or not. And she's not if she receives information that is going to make the police look bad in this situation. She's not going to run with that because that's going to fuck up her access to police information in the future. And that's going to fuck up her job. And Gloria's bad at her job. She's part of the problem. She's good at her job of being a media personality who is serving the police and giving this information to the public. She's not good at her job of being an objective reporter who wants to find the truth of the story. And I think that's the problem is like, we still have this idea that reporters we see on TV are journalists. But I think the whole minute that TV got brought into things, we never really questioned how you know, like you have to just be a journalist if you're writing stuff. Your face isn't in it. No one knows who you are. It's about the story. But when you're a personality, it's about you, you know? Yeah. And so the name of the third episode, The Most Hated Man in America, that feels like it's almost still accurate. Like, God, people hate this guy. And I get it. I get it. He's like, in theory, a very famous convicted murderer. Like he was convicted of murdering his wife yeah. and child. And he's like, just hot enough to kind of resent him but not so hot that you like him again like there's like a, a range i think <laughs> i would i'll say he's also got he's also got some ted bundy vibes so like he has a flat affect too. yeah yeah he's, he's very not very emotional but tell show me a very emotional man yeah you can fix him it's fine he can be fixed ladies <laughs> i i it's like well and if he was super emotional people would have been like oh well you know you know, Scott's, he's so feminine and blah, blah, blah. And they would have been calling into question his like masculinity. It's so fake. He's acting. And it's just like, there was, if this was a no win scenario for him of how he was going to react. Yeah. We're so weird about men and emotion. Like I'm sure this guy's been trained to not ever cry in front of people as so many men are. And now we're like, he's not crying in front of people. What's wrong with him? 
Yeah, there's even one point where he says that, where the police, I think it's when the police arrest him and they're wondering why he doesn't start crying. And he was like, I did actually a little bit. And then I was like, I don't want them to see that. Yeah, because that's your instinct. I mean, I was yelled at for crying as a kid <laughs> in the era of like, don't be a fucking baby. What are you crying about? Yeah. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, you get that train. I don't feel comfortable crying in front of a room full of strangers. You know, like that's not going to be my go to. I'm probably going to pretend it's fine until I get home or get in the car or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scott Peterson, as much as he didn't talk, like he should have, I think, been even more private than he was. But well, I mean, his problem was when he went on the interview thing to try and clear his name and made it way worse. That was a bad idea because then that just gave people all this footage to like scrutinize and be like, oh, look, he looked to the right when he said that he must be lying. It's and like, before that, it was like, well, maybe he doesn't want to be in the media. But now once you did all these interviews, you might want to be in the media. You might be trying to make a show out of it. So then it better be a good show. But he also kind of had his hand forced by Amber Fry going public. He did. But I think even one of the one of his lawyers, I don't know, someone was like, I didn't think it was necessarily a good idea. He wasn't. Yeah, trained. it was a terrible idea. Again, yeah. maybe lawyers didn't have as much experience in this. This was one of the first big media trials. They didn't have experience in coaching their clients on how to be in the media. So he wasn't prepped. And I, I think he might have gone in without proper prepping from his team and stuff. I don't remember exactly, yeah. but somebody was like, oh, I didn't want him to do that. So yeah, April 13th, 2004, Lacey Peterson's body washes ashore in the same general area. Scott Peterson had been widely reported to the public to have been fishing on the day Lacey went missing. The body of the baby washes ashore the next day. And <laughs> this is Larry King acknowledging that the Bush administration probably killed Lacey Peterson. Here's a quote. It's almost unbelievable in terms of the news cycle, because this happened very shortly after we invaded Iraq, by the way. And it blows my mind still that those two stories really did carry the same amount of media attention. They even show a scene where we are covering the initial invasion of Iraq and they just have split screen footage of Scott Peterson, which is bananas. Like well, it's that was tragedy that she died, but my God. When they brought it back at the end about how everyone was there, like watching the verdict and they're like, it was like, OJ, I remember I was in elementary school and in like fourth or fifth grade, and we paused class because a bunch of children needed to watch the OJ verdict, <laughs> I guess. We did. We watched it live on a TV. They wheeled in the little cart, and we all watched it. I'm pretty sure it was fifth grade, because fifth graders definitely needed to know the OJ verdict. Like, that, is that was nuts. such a big moment. I know. I'll it's be so honest. weird to think about now. I'll be honest. I'm so glad I was not old enough to have any sort of recollection oh, of they didn't the put OJ I just no. remember how weird that was that we all had. And then we were all just like, holy shit. Like, even in fifth grade, we're like, he killed her. Like, we definitely killed her. What's going on? Yeah. And I think, like, the country wanted retribution for that. So for no fault of Scott's, he became the we're getting it right this time. We couldn't get OJ away. Right. But we'll get this wife killer. And the other thing with Lacey is that, like, in the hierarchy of victims who get the most sympathy... A pregnant white woman is really high up there. Well, of, and that's the thing. Like, they also didn't make it just Lacey. It's Lacey and Connor. Yeah. Connor, the baby, was an entire... Yeah. I mean, you know, we definitely think babies are more important than the mother. Um, but 
even then, it was yeah. more important. They had, had had Connor not been a part of it. Who knows? They get into some of the really famous stories about Scott Peterson at the time. And one of them was this notion that he dyed his hair and grew a beard to conceal his identity because he was planning to run off to Mexico. And that was a thing that just really kind of spread in the media unchecked at the time. Like, I'm, Well, the I details, it wasn't really that. like, God damn it, the details feel circumstantial. But then if you actually just hear the things like he was caught right near the Mexico border. Yeah. That's where San Diego is. Yeah. Like well, he, he had all this cash on him, but then one of the people's like, well, somebody had accidentally taken out of their account and gave him this cash. So yeah. he happened to have like a bunch of cash on him, but then you put all the his, circumstantial things together and he was trying to hide from the media. Yeah. His family all lived in San Diego. So he was in San Diego most of the time to be closer to them, which just by virtue of being in San Diego, you're close to the Mexican border. I mean, some people would say that we're in LA and we're close to the Mexico border. The thing we're learning is that Americans don't fucking know geography. No. Right. Well, it's like if we drove from LA to San Diego, they'd be like, oh, look how you're driving to Mexico. And it's like, directionally, I guess, but not. (laughs) And yeah, he was going to play golf with his family and the golf course they were playing at is 30 miles from the Mexican border. And when he was going, it was the same day police were planning to arrest him. But he thought he was being followed by the media. And you hear him on the phone with his family at the golf course, like, hey, the media is following me. I don't want to show up like this. So he clearly thinks it's the media pursuing him. But this story somehow turned into he was like being pursued while he was planning to flee to Mexico. And they're like, well, he had his brother's ID on him. And someone's like, yeah, to get a discount at the golf course. Yeah, his brother was a member at the golf course. I mean, the thing that they, it's its when you can share half the details and not the other half. Like, if you shared, yeah, and his whole family was there waiting for him at the golf course. Why would he have been saying he was going to meet them if he was going to the Like, if you share the other half of all of it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm only getting part of the picture. But that's what this whole trial seemed to be like. If you hear about the robbery across the street and the people that saw her walking the dog, maybe you'd hear different, but you only hear the certain details you want us to hear. And in what world do you change your appearance as a disguise and then hang out in the area around all the media and cameras for a few more days? Well, they said too, after he dyed his hair, he met with police. Yeah. There's pictures of him. So they saw him looking like that. Like if you're hiding your identity, I don't think that would be smart. Like he, met with some of the police officers with that new hair. Yeah, it's nuts. Mark Garagos. How about that fucking guy? For being a like borderline legendary lawyer, he sure did a shitty job defending Scott Peterson. Although I don't know if anyone could have successfully defended Scott Peterson. I think the main thing there, because he had a point and I thought it was very believable that he's like, yeah, Scott's a jerk, but he didn't kill his wife. And that was the best argument. The problem was, he got convicted of being a jerk. We were a very anti-jerk. We didn't like that he cheated on his wife. And I think Mark even backed off of that at the end because he saw it wasn't working, but then he like backed out of his own strategy. I think that would have been the best strategy. Yeah, he cheated on his wife. You might have too. Do you want to be convicted to death? Like you needed to humanize Scott in that way as like, he's probably a dick, but he didn't kill his wife. And I think Mark backed off of that very quickly and then got lost in fighting the details and quibbling over the details, which was then it's like, he said, she said, 
I'm well, like, he, it doesn't even matter when, like, half of the jury that went in to deliberate didn't come out of deliberating. Well, not just that. He didn't call a lot of witnesses he should have called. Like, we'll we'll talk about all the witnesses who saw her walking the dog in a minute. But there's also the witness at the marina who saw Scott taking his boat out to the ocean. And the guy was like, for one, I didn't see anything in that boat. And I looked directly down into the boat. But also that route he took to get out to the ocean, he would have been passing several literal houseboats that were just jam-packed with residents. He was essentially in a residential part of the ocean when he took her body, allegedly, in a wide-open fishing boat. And not one person reported seeing that. Well, and He's one of the first people also who's like, that boat would have tipped over. He tried to. Well, we, yeah, and they had we, that video they made that didn't get... For, for whatever reason, the judge didn't allow that shows that it would have capsized the boat. Yeah, they well, he didn't allow that video, but he did allow the prosecution's on land example of how he could have done it. And so it's like, oh, so it we're really just doing this trial for funsies. <laughs> yeah, none of the physics stuff worked. And like the prosecution was allowed the like tidal expert that said, of course, a body would have been drifted from here to here when later it's like that guy had no experience with how a body reacts in tides that's completely yeah. out of his realm and was like a hundred percent, not a scientific, uh, scientifically backed idea that was allowed on the stand. Like, yeah. but yeah, that witness who didn't see her body in the boat is never called to testify, which was very weird. See, and that's an example that it's similar to, um, Adnan Syed's case in that, like, there was a girl that he met up with at the library or saw him at the library who sent a letter to his defense attorney and she was never called to trial to talk about seeing him at the library, which would have placed him at the library instead of, you know, with Heyman. So it's like, it's like there's, I don't know, it's just like there's, I feel like there's they got, balls like, being dropped everywhere. I feel like they got caught up with dealing with the prosecution's narrative of trying to counter the prosecution's narrative instead of trying to tell Scott's narrative of what happened. You know, it's like you get caught into when you're fighting with someone being like, that's not true because this and the other. And you get so caught up in like responding to what they're saying. You forget like, wait, actually, why don't I just tell you what actually happened and give you my full timeline? And then you'll realize that what they're saying isn't true. Because once you descend into back and forth, sometimes you are fucked already you know because they've got you can't fight their truth you have to tell what your truth is you know yeah so then we get into the trial episode four and we really don't talk about how dystopian the whole media by trial thing is like that's that's such a nightmare like it was you, lynch mobby like for real yeah if you ever get caught in that cycle you are just fucked unless you're rich which is what oj had going for him and, and michael Peterson. Yeah, Johnny Depp, too. So, yeah, they do bring up, how does a person get a fair trial in the situation Scott Peterson was in? Like, they move it, like, 50 miles away, and one of the people they talk to is like, yeah, that's 50 miles closer to the media hub where all this news is coming out of, which is San Francisco. So that's not going to help. And it's like, you could have taken this to fucking New Zealand, and people were going to be familiar with the case. Like this was global news. Which I mean, I could have, 
I could have been a, a juror. I mean, I was I was what thirteen when the trial was happening, but I didn't know a damn thing about it. So like, yeah, they should. Yeah, it should have been kids. Yeah, kids don't know Honestly? shit. <laughs> I'm here for this reboot of Kids Say the Darndest Things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the justice oh. system version of that. I would love oh, to watch man. Deliberation. <laughs> Imagine putting 12 13-year-olds on a capital punishment. <laughs> okay, so we don't know about Scott, but we all decided that Michaela sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and we decided that we don't want Subway for lunch anymore. <laughs> yeah. This is where they talk about stealth jurors, which I guess that's a thing I just never thought about. Because I know I'm fully familiar with the concept of lying to get out of jury duty. Like, that's... That's like your main civic duty when it comes to jury duty. That's the first way you thin the herd, I yeah. guess, is by people who feel no civic duty. Get them out of, out of the fray right away, people like me. But yeah, what do you do about people who are lying because they well, have a dog in the fight? And the fact that I think they said um, the judge unethically, you have to ask a two-parter. Like Once you're looking for a, jur a jury that's okay with capital punishment, the first question is like, are you comfortable convicted as much of death and then or like what are your thoughts on that and i think they said the judge was just dismissing anyone who is not comfortable with capital punishment when you're supposed to act ask a second question like are you comfortable with the death sentence and it's like the second question is like would you be willing to put your personal feelings aside in this case if it came down to an deliberation? you yeah. know once you're getting to the punishment and not just guilty or innocent and you are supposed to ask that second one so you don't have people that are just like fuck yeah i like killing people exactly. yeah i like I, I will say this, uh, it, it feels a little off, off tone, but in an episode of uh, Schitt's Creek, um, Moira and Jocelyn are called to do jury duty and, and the case is actually against like somebody is like a business person defrauding his clients. And Moira's like, that's exactly what happened to my family. And I'm going to try to get on the jury for it. And they end up figuring that out that she you know, that that's what was happening. But like, so, so to me, I was like, oh, still, like, I get why somebody would want to be on a case because they have a personal feeling about it. And they want to then be part of the story, or they want to enact yeah. the justice that they did not get. And like, I don't know, thank you, Shit's Creek, I guess. Part of their personal vengeance, you know, story instead of being objective. Yeah, right. And they, they go in completely not objective. And somehow they, for one, decided the jury should not be sequestered, which is insane to me. I don't care Baffling. how long it's going to take. Like, this is a capital murder case. Like, uh, not only that, a capital murder case that is heavily in the media, and you're not sequestering extremely. these people. They're just like, hey, guys, just don't watch the news when you get home. Like, just we'll, we're just going to honor system and no. don't like talk to anyone, even your families, about it. Like, just don't. And see, that, that's where they fucked up with the OJ trial. They sequestered that jury and OJ got off. So they just fixed that glitch with Scott Peterson. And they were like, go home and watch all the 24-hour news coverage of this you want. Just don't tell us you did. It's like, God damn. And what you end up seeing is also, they, don't really, they don't really say it, but what I think is happening in that room is – like a bunch of these jurors they interview were clearly like dead set on convicting him no matter what. And I think there were people in that room who were like, listen, I know we're not supposed to look any of this stuff up, but 
I looked some of this stuff up and it seems like maybe we're being lied to. And they were like, get them out of here. Get them out of here. Well, yeah, three or four jurors that went into deliberation that heard the whole case were excused or what clearly like the one who was, um, I forget the name of the head juror, but he was the foreman. Yeah. And he was clearly like, I have reasonable doubt. And he got bullied out of the deliberation. They threatened him. Like at one point they describe it as voting jurors off the island. It's the opposite of how a jury is supposed to work. You know, if there's one person with reasonable doubt, that's a hung jury. You don't get to force them out until you get the jury response that you want. It's it's funny. Right after this, I watched um, the John Gotti uh, documentary, which is like the opposite (laughs) situation. Well, um, I like that jury it. was like, oh, we're scared that they've seen our faces and we don't want them to know that we put in a guilty verdict. So like, it's the opposite of like, this jury's like, and the public will see our faces and they will know that we were the ones that put him away and we're going to get applauded for this in the public. It's like the literal opposite problem. Well, not just that. There's that one juror who they managed to kick off first and he goes to the media and is like, listen, I think Scott Peterson is innocent. And if I was voting as part of the jury right now, I would find him not guilty. And on the one hand, that's good because that's someone in the media supporting Scott Peterson, which his family is even like, that felt great. But also he's like, and then I got all these death threats. Yeah. And so now the jury's going to see that and think, oh, oh, okay. So if we find him not guilty, we're going to get killed. Now that we've shown everyone our faces. Well, and I think I guess that's similar to the Gaudi thing. Well, and I think that one thing that is that gets kind of mixed up in all of this is that there there really are three different options. But of course, the jury only has two, but people are conflating two options together. They hear guilty. He did it. 100 percent guilty. Did it. There's not guilty, which means he didn't do it. Slash. There's not enough evidence to convict him of this crime, which really is what not guilty is. There's reasonable doubt that he did not do this. And then there is innocence of he did not do this. Somebody else did. And so it's like people are conflating saying not guilty with saying he's innocent, which it's like he he may have done it, but there's not enough evidence to prove that he did. And so the jurors saying like, hey, there wasn't enough evidence. My job is to determine if there is enough evidence to convict this man to death. And I'm saying there wasn't enough evidence. And and yet, like, because he was saying that it could have it's it's not Scott, but he wasn't. But everybody, well, all everybody even, heard like, was asked, that. Um, yeah. One of those jurors gets interviewed later and they're like, okay, so how do you, I think Larry King's like, so how do you think he did it? And the juror's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, well, you, and he's like, what, how do you think? He's like, no, 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 you're the juror. You convicted this man. You should have an idea of how he did it if you convicted him of being guilty of doing it. And the juror's like, I don't need to know the details to know someone's guilty. <laughs> Which is like, actually you do. You're the one person. You sure do. You're the one person that is Bitch, supposed have- to be convicting or not off of the details uh, of yeah, what you happened, have, not your emotional feelings about it. You're a jury. You literally have one job. Um, <laughs> exactly. You have one job. Yeah. I, and it was to get out of jury duty and you failed. So you're, you're exactly. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. 
I, I, I will, I will say, I am a person that would absolutely love to serve on a jury, but I have never been given the opportunity. <laughs> I so. honestly, I would probably, if I didn't have anything going, but they also pay you so criminally. Like you got to yeah, take do. off of work. You have time to be doing this for $30 a day for however long it could be like, uh, I know somebody that was selected to be on a grand jury. So every Thursday she had to go down to the courthouse and listen to the testimony for a year, a year. Gosh, fuck that. Fuck that. So somehow they at least decided there shouldn't be cameras in the courtroom for this. And normally I would be okay with that. In this one case, I think that worked against Scott Peterson. And I think because cameras were so omnipresent everywhere else. And I think they didn't want cameras in the courtroom because they knew they did not have a case. Like if there were cameras, people would have seen things like the lemon meringue incident where Scott Peterson, as part of his statement about what happened that morning, he's like, well, me and the wife, we watched her favorite show, Martha Stewart. And one of the cops is like, oh, yeah, well, what were they talking about? And he's like, I don't know, something about meringue and like meringue recipes. And part of the prosecution's opening statement is that was a lie, folks. And why would he lie about that? And Mark Garagos goes and watches that episode of Martha Stewart that aired that morning. And sure, she sure as fuck does talk about meringue. There's a whole segment was it was lemon cookies, Adam. It was lemon cookies. (laughs) And it's like, how 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 do you fuck that up like that's such easy research just send someone to go watch that episode of martha stewart that's not rock well it just shows that the cops are not interested in the truth they're interested in getting a confession which we know now there's been so much um i think you know at least i know about like uh the tactics that police use to to elicit a a confession whether you know truthful or not uh, but back then, I don't think we even would have conceptualized a false confession being a thing, you know? No. And yeah. and the other thing, too, is that it's not like and because this was like 2002, 2003, there wasn't like TiVo. It's not like they recorded this and like to replay it. It's not like they would have like the likelihood of them of him having recorded that one singular episode of Martha Stewart. There was nowhere for him to go rewatch this so that he could pick one thing from that episode to say so it's like no he watched the episode and he has one memory of what they talked about also like, it's like if you asked me about a sports game i watched with the dude i'd be like i don't know it was the, they scored a thing at a point i don't know yeah. <laughs> yeah and it's like i don't know it's like i've i've i watch football games i say i watch one team fairly regularly but like if Somebody were asking me, okay, what happened during this game? I'd like have to really like think about it. And I could pick like one exciting thing that happened out of each game or like one thing that happened specifically. And it's like, yeah, he remembered that there were, they were talking about meringue. Like it's, I just, just ridiculous. How about that part where people are showing up for a lottery every morning to be in the courtroom? That seems gross. But yeah. that's also where we meet the Scott is innocent.com lady. She's adorable. Yeah. It's, it was what her name it was. It was honestly such an interesting show of like just the mobification of, of media coverage of stuff where it felt yeah. like, I don't know, just seeing the worst parts about how media really relies on emotional reactions from people rather than truth. Right. And I thought she, I think her name was Marlene, but 
I thought she was interesting because she brings up that, you know, this was early on in the internet, but it was still early enough that like you had like chat rooms and things. And even then there was this thing where if you just even suggested Scott Peterson might not be guilty, you would just get torn apart on the internet. Like people were so dead set against the idea of him. Yeah, that doesn't happen now, you know? Being innocent. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think I've mentioned Aphrodite Jones yet. She is a pretty well-known true crime figure. She's had like a few shows on Investigation Discovery. We had her on Pretty Scary a couple times. And we argued once about the owl theory in the Michael Peterson case. But then we also, there's an episode that never came out because... I don't remember what we were even actually talking about, but it just devolved into me and her arguing about Scott Peterson. And it was mostly her like bringing up evidence that just made no sense. Just like they kind of describe the prosecution in this, just like throwing whatever you can at the wall to see what sticks and see what people might believe. Like at one point she was like, why did he buy a shovel, Adam? And it's like, probably not to bury his wife in the ocean. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's not where she was found. So I don't know why she, he bought a shovel, but not for that. I will say there are times when I'm like buying some stuff, like buying like, oh, I'm buying duct tape, like highly corrosive chemicals and like certain things like this. And I'm like, man, I hope nothing awful happens where I could be possibly near a, a murder and then just be like well jack went to home depot and bought these things that only one of them were present at the murder site so clearly and it's like no i just i just buy things from home <laughs> depot at questionable times like why is this yeah. so like you know circumstantial yeah, or thinking about like, oh, well, he doesn't have an alibi. Nobody saw him that day. And it's like, yeah, because I didn't leave my fucking home because I'm depressed. Like, you know, it's like there's there's just like certain thoughts that go through my head. I'm like, man, I hope I hope nothing bad happens and people who don't try to connect a murder to me because I'm screwed because people are just want to hang on to those sorts of things instead of actually like looking for who did it. Well, they want to. Um confirmation bias if you believe right yeah. like if you if you believe something you will just try and find everything that is going to tell you you're right already because we love to be right and it's like the cop said right in the beginning like the fact that scott like had a receipt for the marina was suspicious to the guy but the fact that he didn't have a receipt from buying gas the same day also suspicious yeah <laughs> and it's like he can't win That's everything not- he does is suspicious because you're suspicious and they all they also- I'd be so suspicious for not getting my gas receipts because I never get gas receipts because why? <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's all digital. They also yeah. bring up a thing Nancy Grace would do a lot, and the media does it a lot in general, where she'll make this wild-ass claim, and then even if she finds out that claim wasn't true, she's not going to like go back and retract it or <laughs> – say she was wrong she's just gonna like stop talking about it and there's a really good example where one of the police's theories is that because they found this homemade anchor for his boat well he must have made like five more of those and he tied all of those to lacey peterson and dumped her body and one of the reasons they thought that was well there's a bunch of cement that should be here if you only use that cement to make one anchor And he's like, well, I dumped the cement 
in this hole on my property. And I assumed like at some point, you know, it'll rain and that will fill in that hole. And Nancy Grace is like, that's not how you fix a hole. But then one of his, I think it's a reporter in Modesto, he's arguing with her about this on CNN. And he's like, yeah, that is kind of how you fix a hole. And also like, how do you know? And then later they're at the house and he takes her over and shows her, hey, look at this hole filled with like cement. Well, yeah, look at this random cement next to pretty, here that is clearly pretty, just poured. Yeah, pretty weird, huh? And she just goes, huh? And then never talks about it again. And that would be a like a recurring thing with her. She would throw out any wild fucking suggestion that might come her way and then leave it at that. Like she would never go back and say what stuff she said was not true. Ultimately. It's just this thing where like people want to be right. They don't, which feels like I know the truth, but they don't actually care about being truthful. They care about being right. And it's like very different when it comes to the courtroom or like actual historical things or geopolitics or whatever, but people don't like details and they don't want to be wrong. They just want to be right. So they can feel good about themselves. Like they know. Yeah. There's also that part where detective Brocchini, we find out he, uh, he had told the public, well, no one knew Scott Peterson had a boat. Lacey Peterson didn't even know. And that scandalized the nation for a bit. But then it turns out that there's a woman at the storage facility or a storage facility across from the warehouse where Scott Peterson kept his boat. And she's like, yeah, Lacey Peterson came and asked if she could use my bathroom when she was here checking out the boat. And this cop just deletes that from his report because he had already told people that, well, Lacey didn't know about the boat. And it's like, if this dude's guilty, you shouldn't have to do that much work to prove it. It's funny. It's the opposite of like an OJ, wasn't it? Didn't it come down to some like shoddy police work? That kind of got him off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I think the police are like, we're going to just try and make our shoddy work better (laughs) for this one. We're not going to plant any evidence, but we're going to definitely exclude it. Yeah. And so episode five, the verdict, they start by talking about the idea that, well, the body turned up where he was fishing. So that's pretty cut and dry. And it's like, that is so absurd for so many reasons that that like that is an immediate well, after they had publicized where Scott had been, they'd publicized where he'd been. That's such an obvious location to dump a body. If you've committed a murder in the area. Well, and I even forgot like one of the most damning things we found out later, there was another murder very similar with yeah. a pregnant woman an eight month pregnant woman whose arms and legs were cut off, yep. which is wildly similar for this to be a one-time case and the other pregnant woman who was approached that day that Lacey was killed and that it could have been something more terrifying which is like we want this conviction right from Scott because we don't want to think someone can get away with this and we want in the public to feel like safer because we figured out who did it and we made sure he got what's coming to him and that feels like justice when in the hunt for that sort of validation we might have let a horrific criminals still be out there murdering pregnant women because we don't want to face the fact that that kind of evil can exist. I think that's what somebody was saying in their talking head. Like we don't even want to bring up the idea that it could have been random people hunting pregnant women. It's yeah. much safer to feel like it was this husband that was cheating and whatever. And it creates a public feeling of safety more than well, bringing up the rest of it. 
Well, and I also just found it so odd that they were like, oh, well, we found the body and yet the baby was not present in the body. And it's like, that seems like for the, for the baby to have been cut out of her body seems like an extra level of malice that just like for a husband that like, it's like, what is his motive? Like, what would his, like, is his motive that he's like, oh, well, he just wants to get his pregnant wife out of the picture. And so he cuts the baby out too. Like, there's no forensics that were done on that. I feel like they never answered where are the heads and the feet, even if it was tied by anchors, wouldn't they have floated through free and followed the same currents and been dropped in the same place? Like, where are they? People are not like Barbies. You can't just pop limbs out of us like yeah. with just like a gentle tug. Like it's that like that sort of decomposition where she just decomposed, where she was held down, and then the rest rose to the surface. Like that doesn't feel like that's how it would happen to me. Like the bones wouldn't just break and release her from. Wouldn't the flesh get eaten away first? Like I'll go, I'll go to the dark place. <laughs> oh, yeah, like a- the whole way that that happened with her body was so unfitting and like not talked to at all. Yeah, it's all really strange. And the fact that all of like that other murder is so similar. Like there was all that woman was also crazy. The only difference is her baby never washed ashore. Like the baby was never found, which maybe that was the motive. Like it is not unheard of that women are kidnapped for their babies. Like there have been. There have been a bunch of true crime episodes and really famous cases where a woman will like advertise free baby clothes on Craigslist. I think this is specifically how it happened once. And then when the mom shows up, she fucking murders her and cuts the baby out of her stomach. Like that is a thing that has happened multiple times. And it's usually in cases where someone's been lying about being pregnant and they're like, well, I got to cash in on this lie now. And like, that could have been the motive. This could have been someone who wanted her fucking baby and it just didn't work out. And the baby died too. Like, because there is shockingly, if you aren't a doctor, I don't know that that. Yeah. There's just so many examples of like junk science that gets used in this trial. Like there's one dog, the dog where they're like, Oh yeah. The dog was able to smell Lacey Peterson's scent. It's oh my god on a dock even she though never she walked never on? walked on it well and then they point out that the dog was actually like a was like a failure like the dog was actually a very bad detective dog. the dog yeah. failed its exam to become it's a detective 75 percent of the time yes and Ugh. nevertheless the the goth juror strawberry shortcake we find out she was nicknamed later on she's like i found that dog evidence very compelling and it's like, that's because you're only listening to things you want to hear that confirm that Scott Peterson is guilty. Well, and she's a, like, later when they tried to confront her about the fact that she lied and omitted that she'd been a part of a similar trial. And she's just like, they'll say I'm lying, but I'm not. No way to back it up. Just yeah. like, okay, well then what, uh, like, if, if you work in that kind of reality where if you just say you weren't lying, you weren't, despite all the evidence to the contrary... You kind of feel like the last person that should be on a jury, in my mind. Because jury is, like, evidence-proven, right? Not just, like, I don't feel like yeah. it's a lie, so it wasn't. Yeah, you can tell she really thought she was getting a TV show or something out of this. Like, Some oof. spot on Maury or something. Yeah, she might be one of, she might be my like least favorite person in this. Aside from whoever like, killed Lacey Peterson, and that person's not interviewed in this, so. 
know. I feel like there should be like media rules for jurors. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the jury system is so broken and I don't know what we do to fix it. I mean, it. I think we should personally, one of my moral things is I think you should not be allowed to profit off of other people's pain and death, <laughs> which yeah. is my big problem with the healthcare industry and a lot of stuff. But in the media, if you're making money writing a book on convicting a man to death, that feels really icky and like not like something you should probably be able to do. It sure does. Yeah. So yeah, none of those witnesses that saw Lacey Peterson walking the dog get called to testify, which is bonkers to me. Mark Garagos also apparently gave like a really shitty closing statement. Like there were no cameras, so we don't get to see it. But like everyone they interview was like, man, he was just off that day. And the case goes to the jury the day after the Republicans stole the 2004 election because, again, the Bush administration killed Lacey Peterson. Man, the more I say it. Different podcast, Adam. Different podcast. All right. All right. All right. But it's pretty The clear. Bush administration was trying to get adrenochrome so that they could put more Bushes into office. No, Democrats are the ones that drink adrenochrome. They're the same party, man. <laughs> it's my favorite thing about that conspiracy. You think if that's true, Republicans aren't also doing it? Get the fuck over yourself. You know what? They're I'll, all doing it on Epstein's Island together, babe. You know what? I'll say it here and now. Scott Peterson did 9-11. That's, that's yeah. got to be it. If Bush, if the Bush administration killed Lacey Peterson, Scott Peterson had to have done 9-11. Yes. Because he was hot yeah. on adrenochrome. Let's me Because on. he was cheating on one tower with the other tower. <laughs> <laughs> He liked the North Tower more than the South Tower. So it's pretty clear this should have been a hung jury at best. Like I if the original don't... jurors had even stayed. Because it seems to yeah. me like you should not be allowed to dismiss an alternate and, and put it in alternate juror once deliberations have begun. That is wild to me that that's even allowed. And it, yeah, they do that a couple times. They at least three one juror off and that's when the goth alternate juror who they keep interviewing throughout this whose name is Rochelle Meese uh she gets added to the jury and they show video of her showing up her first day for jury duty and it's like oh she's a fucking problem like I know I feel like I I don't think it's fair to goths to call her goth <laughs> Yeah probably not, that feels she not just fair. looks sad and she that looks makes like me someone happy. out of bad girls club on TLC would like cuz she had like the pink they called her strawberry shortcake shit pink hair before yeah. Rihanna got to give her credit Well this was the beginning yeah. of emo so I would say emo is more yes. appropriate Yeah maybe So yeah then they get the foreman kicked off and the foreman was the last person who believed scott peterson might be innocent and they like threaten him with physical violence yeah he was like a professor or something nerdy yeah and somehow they kick him off and keep the guy who threatened him with violence on who they also interview throughout this and it looks like maybe he can't walk now and thumbs up that's fine well and that guy also what had been at a bar bragging they were couldn't convict him to people which is so unethical (laughs) Yeah, all of these jurors are absolute fucking scumbags, at least the ones they interview, even the one, even the moderate ones, even the guy who's like, well, I wouldn't have voted for the death penalty now. Fuck you still like that. Yeah, but you did and you don't feel like guilty enough to me about having done that. And what's wild is they've been deliberating for days and days and days and days and days. And then they finally get all the jurors off that they want and then get the ones they want in place And they're like, all right, we're starting from scratch. So everyone's like, all right, I guess that means another couple weeks of deliberating, right? No, nine hours, 
nine hours. They yeah, they add a new juror, which means you're supposed to start deliberations from scratch. So they have all the information and then conviction right away. Yeah. Go figure. And I bet that's a guy who's like, I don't know how they did it, but I don't need to know to know that they're guilty. Yeah, that's insane. That is such an insane thing to say. Also insane. They like perp walk the Peterson family out past the mob of people outside the courtroom after he's found guilty. So the crowd can like shout obscenities and things at them. One of them yells, I hope you're, I hope they fry your son. And like, how, how did that? It just has such a like, oh, okay. Like how, I, how can you imagine back in the past when they used to just be like, you're guilty. And then everyone would show up to watch the hanging. Like, wow, what a different barbaric time. And I'm like, no, nope, this is exactly how that shit went down. Everyone yeah. in that courtroom would have been super happy if they walked Scott right outside and hung him on the gallows that day and they would have cheered. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so the last episode, they get into a, a lot of the stuff we've already talked about. It's called Reasonable Doubt. It's about Scott Peterson's appeal. So they do go over a lot of the same things. But one interesting thing that comes up in this is the baby had twine around his neck and also had a little piece of tape holding one of his ears down. Meanwhile, the police theory is that, well, the currents underwater expelled the baby from Lacey's body. And that's why they were found separate. And it's like, what? It's like, have you literally ever watched a birthing video or watched someone give well, birth? Well, you know, women, a- women's bodies are mysteries that science <laughs> <I> mean, has <laughs> never <laughs> looked into. <laughs> I mean, it's literally like, with the exception of the people who like are like, I had abdominal pain and then gave birth to my child in a toilet. Like it's like people that like the baby just like falls out. But like most of the time there is some force behind getting the baby out of their body. And the, the, the parent has to push the baby out in some way. Like if it's a, if it's a canal birth, like it's like, that's absurd. And it's like, if she's, (sighs) yeah, the thing is maybe, during death, I could see a pregnancy happening, but once you're already dead and under the water, yeah, that would they, be like saying like, oh, the currents just took her liver out and then that was over here. It's like, I don't think that's how currents work. That yeah, or there's take something out of the cavity of her body. Or they're saying that like the pressure was so great that like it burst her stomach or something. It's like, okay, then she'd be missing a lot of other organs and not just the baby. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. work at all. I do like that in episode six, they get into the idea that Modesto is like this quaint small town. Like as much as people in other parts of the country misunderstand L.A., I think people misunderstand the other parts of California even more. Like there's this notion that like for one, California is just full of liberals. And it's like, (laughs) no, L.A. and San Francisco are kind of. But you get outside there and it's a total crapshoot. And also oh, same thing in New York State. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. Illinois as well. Yeah. <laughs> the minute you're out of an urban hub. Yeah. The thing about all of these small towns around California is like gang problems travel and they travel with poverty. Well, poverty tends to migrate when it gets priced out of a certain area. And so, there's a meme that I think I saw that was like the coast of California. It's like very rich beach town. And then the rest is meth. It is. <laughs> and yeah. Also meth. Modesto at one point was Modesto at one point was the had the third highest murder rate among California cities. Like it's it's a rough town. Like it's obvious. It's like anywhere else. It's got its nice areas, 
but also the way it was described by the media surrounding this story was insane. Well, because like, like Scott no Lacey lived in like a like nice suburban street that was how many streets over from a really bad neighborhood. Yeah, they were like a mile from what was called the airport district. I'm sure it's still called the airport district. And at least at the time, it was a very high crime area. And at the time, we touched on this a little bit already. There were like six other crimes that happened the night and morning that Lacey Peterson is alleged to have gone missing. There were burglaries. There was another attempted kidnapping. There, again, had been another murder very similar to hers. So like all of that points to... Hey, maybe this was just like random crime. Well, and they never investigated. I mean, that one woman who seemed, she's like, these men tried to, they came to my store, I'm eight months pregnant. They definitely seemed like they wanted to do something to me. And I thought about it a lot that that could be lazy. Just they never even bothered never to investigate it. Because also, that's not going to make the town look good. It's not going to make the police force in the town look good that they haven't solved all these other crimes. And a lot of police in a lot of places, especially since they went to, you know, uh, metrics based policing where they have to get a certain amount of convictions and things they don't want to start an investigation they don't think they'll win or they'll solve so they knew that they could get scott whether he did it or not and that would make them look good rather than investigating something that they probably couldn't get a collar on you know yeah and once and once again it kind of goes back to the point because the woman who um the pregnant woman at her store that was like hey this is a bad thing she uh is a latina and they didn't want to investigate it. And I think the other woman that was murdered was also uh, a Latina. Like the so one that they couldn't find. It was a person of color for sure. And like, you know, and yet they're, you know, going for Lacey Peterson because once again, a white woman is the center of it. And so they're going to investigate because that's what um, the people care about. Uh, it was yeah. the juicier story with the villain that we could get behind because we're not scared that Scott's still out there murdering yeah. random pregnant women. That's not a fear they want out in the public. It's much more fun to that we can all get behind him as as the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, and and that it's a lot easier to call for justice for Lacey, you know, because of her presumed innocence for being white. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she was being cheated on. Yeah. I mean, that was ultimately the worst thing he did. I think if he would, if Amber had not happened, it probably would have remained a hung jury. But it was a hundred percent. He was convicted guilty of cheating on his pregnant wife, which oh, is yeah. not cool. Yeah, the there's one inter or one witness who comes up in episode six, a woman named Karen Service, who was the Petersons' next door neighbor. And it's really frustrating because it seems like she gives an accurate account of what happened, which is that she saw the dog walking off its leash. And she said that happened sometimes. And she did what she always did and just went and put the dog back in the yard at 1018. And people took that to mean that, okay, well, Lacey was gone by then. Like Lacey had already been kidnapped and that's why the dog was off the leash. And so like Mark Garagos never really pursued, he also never really pursues all of these witnesses who said that they saw her walking the dog well after that. And eventually Karen Service kind of clarifies and is like, well, what would happen is she would like leave the dog out front sometimes right before she was going to take it for a walk. And it would like sometimes get out and like she kind of implies that that's what happened. And then Lacey took the dog for a walk and they just didn't 
pursue well, even that. like they yeah. went off of her estimated 1018 based on a receipt she had from going shopping later but the postman saw the gate right. open from the dog and he has actual like actually the time he was there because he has to make note of it because he dropped the mail and they don't follow up that he was there at the property at this time and saw this which and i feel then, like i would believe the postman's timeline a little more and they and then, point out that like that that mail that mail carriers have a very distinct relationship to the dogs in their yes. neighborhood and they know which yes. houses have dogs that he's like and he's like the dog would bark at me every single time and that day she did not bark at me yes, so which implies the dog was not there at that time yeah. which goes yeah. against karen services timeline and then from there all of the witnesses who report seeing Lacey, it forms a path basically that leads back to her house. And it like goes in an oval shape, like you would expect someone to take that kind of route when they're out walking their pet. And then it leads right back to where she lived. Apparently at the time, a burglary is happening across the street. Right, where she would have walked across the street. And like, right. Like, a, like only a dumb white lady would. Yes, yes. Definite white lady energy there. She was guilty of, of it. Why are you going over to some shady shit that's happening, Lacey? Uh, well, and then she's Why got the... Why would you do that? Well, now she's like, because she's like about to be a mother, she's got the all the righteous indignation of a white mom. And you're just hey, like, Hey, what's oh, going Lord. on over here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm protecting my child in my neighborhood. And you're like, oh, get, oh, oh, go away. And it's like, yeah, no matter what else you think about this case, if that gaggle of witnesses who all say they saw her walking her dog in the park when they say they saw it, Scott Peterson's not guilty. Like, there's literally no I other way to I think that's where, where, like, Mark, the lawyer, got caught up in lawyer stuff, where he's like, they just need to prove the other side. The lawyers just need to prove, you know, this and that. And he thinks that this jury also knows the rules of the courtroom, which they clearly don't and they no. don't care. No. So Mark's trying to play like the lawyer game of what you need to prove. And it's like, that's not what the rest of the world is judging off of. They need to know your truth timeline for Scott. You don't just need to respond to the prosecution's arguments and get this normal amount of like, what well, the prosecution needs to prove this. And if they didn't, then he's wrong. Like, no, you need to prove what happened. And I think he just lost the thread of actually speaking to normal people. Like he knows how to do well in a courtroom where everyone knows the courtroom rules and knows the courtroom game. But these jurors were like the least like that's courtroom applicable group of people I've ever seen. But that's the thing is that Mark, I think, was going in because he's like, well, this is a trial. I'm a lawyer. I'm going it. But he I don't think he really took into account that he it wasn't that he was going in and going up against prosecution. This was going in front of just these 12 people. He I don't think he really calculated in that he was actually also going against the media that like that's yeah. actually who he was convincing and not just yeah. his jurors. Like it's like he I don't think. I don't think that he made that calculus of like, that's actually who I'm going against. He that's didn't play it to the media, happened. which is exactly. who was the real juror. Yeah. And yeah, there's a quote from Marlene, the woman who ran the Scott is Innocent website. The Modesto police didn't investigate Lacey's disappearance. They investigated Scott's guilt. And I think yeah. that's accurate. I think that's very accurate. Well, once they got deep enough in that she could have been alive in the beginning and they weren't looking for her. They had to double down. They had no choice but to, but to double down or look oh, yeah. evilly inept. Like, 
Because there was also that doctor who came forward in court and was like, uh, that baby was alive until like January 3rd, maybe? Well, the one that was in court that was later proven wrong said that the baby died the same time or that the baby died on the 24th. And then I think even the guy that wrote that paper was like, I did the math wrong. And no. using my own like system, if I do it again now, that baby could have been alive up to July or up to January something. Yeah, the guy who wrote the formula. But again, the correction doesn't get the same amount of coverage. Yeah, no, the guy who wrote not. the formula that the first guy used later came out and was like, no, 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 no. He fucked that up. He used the wrong formula. Here, let me do it. And then he was like, <laughs> January 3rd. Yeah, which, that baby was definitely alive later. Which, man, you can't discount that when it comes to why the police. And her body just, wasn't found for a while. Yeah. And why you would just focus on Scott Peterson, because, yeah. If it does come out that, oh, that baby was alive for days after that and you just focused on Scott Peterson, that's a bad look. For the yeah, cops. once that goes down, the cops have no choice but to make this this like conviction work for them or they are going to be convicted of being bad cops. A-cap. But th- that wasn't a yeah. saying then. We didn't even know. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't say, yeah, I mean, we knew. We just weren't saying it as well, much. Well, there was the thing. glimmers from the OJ trial. And I wonder if that's part of like the redemption story that the public needed. Um, not just like, we're going to get the bad guy this time, but also like cops are good. We need to remember, right? Not, not all cops. Hashtag not all cops. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It did play like that a little bit. Yeah. Scott Peterson did eventually get his death sentence overturned. Yeah. But he is still. He was not granted a new trial though. No. Yeah. I don't know that he's ever going to get out. Like. I mean, at the end of the day, he was convicted for cheating on his pregnant wife. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Pamela Smart, who we should probably cover that documentary at some point, too. She was the teacher whose student boyfriend murdered her husband, and they, like, convicted her of it, too. And one, the thing where she's a teacher, that's not true. She worked for the school district, and she did not work as a teacher. Those are two very different things. And... All of the people who actually murdered her husband are out of prison and she has exhausted all of her appeals and will die in prison. And her claim has always been, my boyfriend killed my husband. Like, I didn't ask him to do that. Like, he just fucking killed my husband. And it's like that kid's out. Like, everyone who participated in the murder is out. She's not getting out. This is also, I I also am getting, even though it happened after Scott Peterson, I'm getting glimmers of uh, Amanda Knox as well. Like she was very much put on trial by the media and by paparazzi that like she was just like she had her social media tags were, you know, Foxy Noxy. And they were like, oh, I mean, she's duplicitous and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, that means that I'm 21 years old uh, and I have a screen name like that. It doesn't mean anything, but they were presuming her guilt without actually like trying to find someone else. And in both countries here and in Italy very Christian ideals. So like ultimately the failure of these people was not being a quote unquote good Christian person that you want to back up in the media. Yeah. So uh, I guess don't be that everybody, at least not if a murder is <laughs> going to happen around you. And uh, I think that's our episode, right? Was this documentary too long? I can't tell. I think, I think it could have been maybe four sods, but they all can, but then you get weird parts that are like, was this really part of the story or did you just go, this person's so weird to interview? Yeah. 
Yeah. I th- I think six episodes was the right length. Yeah. I do. I mean, for um, as huge of a story as it is, I, yeah. I would agree with that. I think that sometimes it does. You don't need it, but I think the context that they did add about like you know what was going on in America and stuff was interesting, and yeah. it did help me see it in a different way. Yeah. I, I do also really appreciate they added because the the show kind of goes in a timeline situation of like talking about like, you know, what the police think happened and like the murder and then, you know, going into like, oh, the media frenzy and then the trial starts. So it's like they really did do with a timeline. And then now that the trial's over, he's been convicted. Then they're like, OK, but like now that we're out of it, it's like a lot of us are saying like he didn't like this might not have been true. And so it's like. There's a part of me that wishes like that would have even been peppered in throughout the whole thing more heavily than just in the last episode. But I think having an entire episode focused on saying that, you know, Scott is not guilty, like, and these are reasons why, and that like, there's just not enough evidence to say that he's guilty, um, I think was a very brave choice (laughs) for this docuseries. And I don't think you could have released this any earlier than... 2017 when it came out oh yeah i agree with that i mean if nothing else because that gave his legal team time to work on that appeal and a lot of the evidence that makes it seem like he probably didn't do this really didn't come out until that appeal like well and i think i googled it he was just recently denied a new trial like in the past couple years which is insane to me like i can't but even that again can scott peterson get a fair trial because now it's like you're going to have all these people who know about it but then you're going to get stealth jurors like me who are like we're going to go in here and fix this or you don't i mean i barely remembered it i had no memories of it so i I mean younger is not gonna care yeah sequester them up take their phones away well i mean that scott peterson will get convicted for that because they took everyone's or it's like also you know you get so wrapped up in it while it's happening and then three months later, what was that? Oh, that thing with the yeah. guy. The only thing I forgot to bring up was the satanic angle. Sorry, because I think that's important because it's a really good example of how the media can like misconstrue shit like that to make the wrong person look silly. Because at one point, his defense like starts mentioning that, well, there was some talk of like people committing satanic murders in the area. And they're like, OK, put your storytelling cap away. Yeah, and like that's from police reports. The police launched because of that very similar murder that seemed ritualistic. And, and I think instead of it was like the opposite of satanic panic. Instead of going, there were possibly like ritualistic, yeah, odd things going on here. They're like it was Satanist, which made it sound silly. Yep. Ah, uh, satanic so, panic always. It's always evergreen. Just to throw it out there as an as a possibility, whether it could be true or not. Well, just, and it's ironic because that was, I think, like. Like I said, Scott was ultimately convicted of not being a good Christian husband. Yeah, kind of. You know? Yeah. I don't know, I don't know why I said kind of. That is what he was convicted of. <laughs> so, all right. I think that's our episode. People can't at wait. home. I can't wait to me. hear what your listeners think about our review of this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, watch the documentary yourself if you're skeptical. Like, I feel like they make a really strong case for Scott Peterson. Here's the thing. Even if he did it he shouldn't have been convicted and like that's a problem too like the justice system it can't be oh well i'm a jury with a fucking grudge 
And so I'm going to find this guy guilty just because Nancy Grace said so. It's like, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's earlier, anything else that mm-hmm. the way evidence was handled, mishandled, omitted, not omitted. And, and what went on with the jury was like, yeah, Ooh, yeah, he should get a new trial if nothing. That's else. why earlier, that's why earlier I made the distinctions of like guilty, not guilty and innocent. It's like, I'm very much like I, I haven't seen all of the evidence, the way that it's been presented. I couldn't say that like, oh no, he's innocent. But I could definitely tell you from what I have seen in this documentary that like, well, he's not guilty based on the evidence provided. But we're not a country that likes subtleties and gray zones. And I don't know uh, enough to know. We go off of, I read three infographics and emotionally, I think I know what's right. Yeah, And I I will destroy people because of that feeling. Uh, I have so many feelings about all of that. (laughs) (laughs) USA. Hey, Samantha, Jack, thank you so much for doing the pod and for watching this long ass documentary for. Thank you. I love your recommendations. This is like, I always enjoy watching this stuff. I appreciate you both doing it. What do we have to plug? Yeah, at Comedy Go Go Show on Instagram. Um, I'm also at Sam Sweets on the internet. And I. I actually think I've gotten fans from this before. Somebody's like, is it weird that I found your only fans from a podcast? And I was like, which podcast? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've talked about it on a few. And they said this one. I was like, great. We love anyone who listens to the Unpops. We're <laughs> big fans. <laughs> <laughs> so I have an OnlyFans. Only Sam, you can find me. Uh, Christmas Jack. is coming. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, what do you got to plug? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jack Loves TV. Um, I have I have nothing else going on in my life the strikes are over so maybe i'll be working again at some point <laughs> we'll see and all right let's get out of here jack say goodbye goodbye samantha say goodbye 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 everybody we love you <laughs>